Hello, and welcome to Enlightened Empaths with Denise and Samantha. We're so happy to have you join us once again. We wanted to start out by apologizing for our recent audio issues. Uh, Thank you for all of your lovely and gentle feedback about the audio quality that's been going on for the last two episodes in particular. Denise and I think that we have figured it out, right, Denise? Right. So hopefully tonight's show will go beautifully and you guys will hear us crystal clear and from now on there won't be those issues anymore. So um, tonight's show, what we're going to be talking about is surviving the holidays as an empath because we are heading into a lot of beautiful and wonderful memories with all the different various holidays that we all are celebrating in the next couple of months. But as you all know, these times can also be really stressful because you have families and friends coming together that don't always see each other. Oftentimes we find ourselves falling back into old roles and um, being triggered easily. And sometimes we set up expectations for ourselves and our families for this perfect Norman Rockwell holiday. And that can be really difficult to live up to. So what Denise and I are going to talk about on this show are some tips and techniques that the empath needs to face the holiday season with joy and happiness and not a whole lot of expectation and a lot of tips and techniques to get you through it um, if you sometimes find the holidays to be stressful. I find the holidays, Denise, to be so wonderful and amazing and stressful and overwhelming all at the same time. Yes, I haven't always been the biggest fan, but over the years as I've toned it down and let go of expectations of what it's supposed to be, it's a lot more enjoyable. Yeah, that's, I think that's the key is toning down the expectation. So I thought that we could start by just talking about um, what are some normal things that we anticipate in terms of stress in the holiday season. And I think one of the first things that comes up for everybody, whether you're an empath or not, is just the amount of work that producing a holiday (laughs) includes. Because really that's how I think of myself over the holiday season is that I'm producing this big event, you know, and I've got to decorate the house and I've got to buy all the gifts and I've got to be, you know, Santa Claus in, in my belief system and, and I've got to get the Christmas cards out and get a Thanksgiving dinner on the table and, you know, just kind of navigate all of this. And then on top of that, we have work pressures. You know, there might be extra events at work or your kid's school. So there's just a lot going on at this time of year that can be very exciting and yet feel a little bit like too much, too much, too much. So we wanted to talk about um, lowering your your expectations for this season and setting boundaries and learning to say no. Where do you want to start with those, Denise? Well, I think learning to say no is a big one because especially holidays tend to bring you often to family of origin situations or bigger events that You may want to bow out gracefully, but you're not sure you can do that without it causing a rift or or causing a problem with with other folks in your family. And and that can be as much as people, silly things, like people forcing you to eat things you don't really want to eat or to stay too long at a party or, you know, go places and, and socialize where you'd really feel more comfortable not going. So it covers a very broad range. I agree. 
And I think really what all of that starts with is open and honest communication. And I think if we can all work on speaking our truth openly and honestly and being very upfront about our needs and expectations for the holiday season, we can get along much better with everyone. And sometimes if that doesn't work, which in my experience, very often it doesn't, then you have to kind of go with the flow and compromise around that. And I'll give you an example. I have um, a member of my extended family who comes every other Thanksgiving, and we never know when they're coming. We never know where they're staying until the last minute. And so through the years, I have tried calling up this person and saying, hey, I'm so excited that you guys are coming. Do you know if you're coming the Tuesday before Thanksgiving or the Wednesday before Thanksgiving? No, I don't know yet. My husband doesn't have his travel schedule or my child doesn't have his lacrosse schedule yet. I'll let you know. And then once I find out when they are coming, then it's another mountain. Well, are you guys going to stay here? You're more than welcome to. Or are you going to get a hotel or rent a house like you've done in the past? I don't know yet. We'll let you know. Then once I tackle that mountain, it's another mountain. What time <laughs> do you guys want to show up for Thanksgiving? Do you want to, you know, because my extended family often goes to Mass on Thanksgiving morning. Are you going to mm -hmm. go to Mass in the morning and then come here? We don't really know yet. So, through the years, it's caused a lot of stress in my life and a lot of fighting in my inner family saying, you know, hello, can you guys get these people to make up their minds? And after getting nowhere with any of that, whether it was open and honest communication or just outright anger, I finally was like, you know what, I'm not going to change these people. And when you can't change people, what do you do? You change yourself. So my biggest stress with them coming at a certain time was always the turkey, right? You've got to get the turkey in at a certain, into the oven at a certain time so that it's ready when everyone gets there. So you know what I did, Denise? And I've done this for the last five years. I buy a pre-cooked turkey. Wow. Yep. I that, love that's it. That's a huge self-care thing. Yeah. it really Because I actually like cooking a turkey. Well, that's not really mm -hmm. true. Me too. I like the tradition and the ritual around it. I don't like actually like washing it and pulling whatever that is out from – I'm not a big meat eater. <laughs> but I like the idea around cooking a turkey and basting it and getting it out of the oven and everyone ooing and eyeing over it. But I gave that up, and I go to this lovely market down the street, and they make the most amazing turkeys. I can pick it up any day the, the week of Thanksgiving, and whenever I want, it's ready to go. All I have to do is warm it up in the oven. So sometimes if you're dealing with people that are like that and you've tried setting boundaries, you've tried communicating directly and openly, you've tried being a little confrontational and none of that works, sometimes you just have to change what you do in order to, to get along, to go along. I don't know it, if that's the best also, advice, but it's worked for me. It's also letting go of the shoulds. Like, we should have it at this time. We should have this be the thing. That's a huge gift to yourself True. with the turkey. That's incredible. It's also, though, checking in with yourself to see how you're feeling. And if it causes you such undue stress or panic or fear or whatever it might be, they're waving the red flag at you to say, okay, this is something that you need to shift and change. And, and I think that should pattern goes hand in hand with a lot of us who are empaths of, we feel so strongly about things that, well, this is the right thing. We should do this. And, and that's a huge word to get out of our vocabulary with the holidays. Mm -hmm. It really is. 
And sometimes it's just difficult and you don't really know what to do with those situations. Um, in my extended family, there are, I'd have to eight or nine birthdays in November and December with among all of my nieces and nephews. And then there's Christmas. And so I have brought up to several family members, hey, do you think we could just like decide to buy birthday gifts for all the nieces and nephews and not Christmas or do mm -hmm. Christmas for all the nieces and nephews and not the birthdays because just getting all those birthday gifts together you know two months three weeks whatever before the holidays getting it in the mail and then turning around and doing it again for Christmas is really really hard so sometimes also just you know recognizing what causes you stress another thing I did um this is like two years ago, I was just really, really overwhelmed. I had so much going on in so many areas of my life. And I decided, you know what, everybody, we're not doing a Christmas card this year. And that felt really good, too. That was a tradition. I, I just gave myself a break from it. So sometimes just looking at where your stress is coming from and just seeing, like, what can I cut out this year? What can I shift this year? That can be really helpful. Very much so. Very, very much so. And, and it is truly that self-care, that self-compassion, that if, if something you know is going to tip you right upside down, then step away. Yeah, yeah. Step away from the drama. So what happens if you get all of your family together and they're all at the table, you finally got them there at, at, a, at the same time, and everyone is sitting around, and then contentious issues are brought up? How do you respond when that happens? I'm really good at deflecting. I, I, and I think that's partially from, from working in uh, school systems for so long is I think that there is um, – I don't think – any town or district that I've worked for is paying me for my political or my religious beliefs. So I get really good at deflecting those topics. And also, if you know that, say, whichever side of the fence you're on and you know the other person is the extreme opposite, it may be nice to just kind of avoid that person or if they're, if they're going to overtake the conversation, have, have something you can trigger so you can click a switch in your mind and turn on the music or something just so that you don't engage because I think for a lot of times if people know that you're the polar opposite of what their belief system is and, and just just my thought and this kind of goes back to our narcissist conversation is they'll try to bait you to get into a debate and and that's not yes that's not the point of the holidays it's not the point of any get-together really but but I think there are certain person people family or not, that like to get things stirred up and, and riled up with, with their beliefs rather than listening to what anyone else has to say. And if you're an empath, that can be really, really hard. Um, years ago, I used to, you know, what's that quote? You don't have to show up to every fight you're invited to. Uh -huh. Well, years ago, I would show up to any fight I was invited to because I felt that it was my duty to educate people. <laughs> <laughs> Which it's never your duty to educate somebody who thinks totally differently from you. Um, but there's a couple of members in my extended family who are what I call closet prejudiced. You know, they say little snippy things or um, they'll call people, uh, I don't know, they'll just, just snippy little things they'll say about members of a lower class or members of a different race. 
And I get really emotionally upset when I'm around people like that. And whenever I'm emotionally upset or invested in a topic, I cannot rationally or reasonably debate it. And I have been in situations, I'm talking like 10, 12, 15 years ago, where I was trying to debate different issues. Like, for example, there's, there's, a, there's a member of my family, extended family, who's a hunter. And, mm-hmm. you know, I get it. I'm not, you know, I, I get it. But for me, I have a hard time when you, you know, make a ton of money and you're, like, going off. And, and I get it if you have to kill a deer to eat. I get that. But to do it for sport and fun, I, I have a really hard time with that. Um, I understand it now. But back when I was in my 20s, I was, oh, I would get so upset at this man who would just talk about getting this deer in his sight and, and the, the mother looking on at the, at the, at the child and uh, the child deer. And, oh, I would get so upset. And I would debate this person. And my voice would tighten up. And I would start to cry. It was uh-huh. bad. So one thing I just want to say is, if someone does bring up something that for you is a contentious issue, something you feel very personally or very strongly about, and you are like I used to be where you would get emotional, I would take Denise's advice and just back away from that topic, deflect, change the subject, do not let them bring you in. Because, you know, you're never going to change anybody's opinion with your opinion. Right, and it's also not our responsibility to change someone else's or to enlighten them or to or to absorb their negative energy. That's that's not not our call. We don't have to do that, and I think we're all very gifted at that, but we don't have to be. Yes, and in a way, it's kind of narcissistic of me to want to try to change their opinion. But don't you think when it hits your moral compass like that, though, it's different? Like for you, when you were talking about the hunting piece, and I live in Maine, so that's a very prevalent here, um, but that's it's sort of from the way you described it and your voice and inflection, that's a moral issue for you and, mm-hmm. and for a lot of people. Or it might be, you know, if for me, anything that's against little kids, animals, or old people, I have a really, really hard time with that. Those are my triggers big time. Don't hurt people who are less defense, who who are defenseless, or who may not have the same. Um, you know, where I'm going with that. Yeah. Um, it's just it's just not right, and and I'll get into a, a debate about that. Or, and and I, having grown up with with some strong-willed people in my immediate family, um, I think that that's a, a learned skill as well to how to deflect and not react. I do too. I, and it took me years to learn that skill. And I, I do want to say about the hunting issue, I am the world's biggest hypocrite because everybody, <laughs> I do understand that I'm just talking about cooking a turkey in the same breath that I'm rejecting hunters. And I understand where the turkey comes from. So please know that I'm aware of my hypocrisy. Oh, no, but um, that, that's the thing. Are you going to eat it? Don't shoot it if you're not going to eat it. And if you talk to people right. who are true hunters... That's the rule. And it doesn't matter if what you're killing. If you're going to shoot it, that means you intend to eat it or protect yourself. Well, Those this guy rules. was talking about how in his hunting club, there's a tradition that when you get your first kill, you like – he took his son to this hunting club, and his son killed this baby deer, and they, they – 
it's not, I don't even want to say it. It's awful. But they basically but, anoint the child with the remains of the, it's awful. So I had see, a huge emotion. I have to say something colorful. So I, I just have to say that would really piss off a lot of people who are true and avid hunters because that's not what it's about. It's not about that kind of a And I'm not disclaiming your, your, your extended person, but I can see a lot of people just being very, very, um, well, not hurt, but, but angered by that. Yeah, it so, was just, uh, ugh. so things like that are going to happen. I have, um, there's a man in my extended family who actually believes that if you are not Catholic, you're not going to heaven. So a couple years ago, my um, former husband's family and my family are all around my dinner table, and my um, my sister and her husband are Greek Orthodox. My sister converted from Catholicism, and she's now Greek Orthodox. And this man on my husband's side of the family said, well, you know you're going to hell. And I thought, son of a bitch, like, I just spent three days cooking this dinner and out of the gate. So... Um, I just used humor to deflect that. And I said, well, I said, you know, if we're all sinners, maybe none of us are going past the stuffing and just totally yeah. like, <laughs> you know, glossed over from that. <laughs> and, and truly that was, um, that was a nice way that you glossed over it to make every, to redirect that isn't this nice. We can all be here together and enjoying this meal. We don't have to worry about going to hell tonight. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and then luckily someone else made a joke that if, um, you know, if all non-Catholics are going to hell, then there'll be some pretty cool people there. And we all just kind of laughed. So I think humor is a really good way to deflect issues that come up at the holiday table, too. Um, I also think that the holidays, and I don't want to get, you know, too off topic or jump around too much, so feel free to reel me back in, Denise. But I feel like the holidays can be really difficult for people going through grief as well because we're so reminded of people we've lost, whether it's yeah. this year or 20 years ago. And yeah. I think that can bring up an added stress for anybody, but especially an intuitive empath who's so connected to their emotions. Right. Or or if someone's passing falls around that time or if that person was a huge part of the tradition or um, or you're maybe if you're um, oh, what's the word I want estranged from your family and you don't feel like you have a place. It, it can be there's a lot of things besides people coming together that can cause and I agree grief is, is huge around my father passed right before Christmas one year. And my son was a brand new baby and I was getting ready to fly home. I lived on the West Coast and I grew up on the East Coast. And my father passed before we could get there. It was very unexpected. And so for many years, that was always a real trigger for me around the holidays. And my son's first Christmas was ensconced with my father's death. So I think that that's a very, to, to also have empathy and compassion for if you know someone that's going through a hard time or grieving or has lost someone or it's the first anniversary of a holiday without that person, reach out to them. Let them know that you're there because they, they truly, people need you at that time more than ever. I agree. Very, very well said. And I think it's important too, if, if you are grieving or you know someone close to you is grieving, to mention that person. 
especially around the holidays. I know a lot of times it's kind of awkward, you know, should I bring it up, should I not? But I've always found that if you just say, gosh, remember when your mom used to always bring blueberry pie? She made the best pies. Sometimes just doing that can be really, really comforting. And I know in my own family, you know, there's there's people that we have lost. And at the Thanksgiving table, the holiday, at the Christmas table, whatever it might be, um, if it's at my house and I'm hosting, I will always say the grace and I'll, I'll mention the people that should be there at that table with us. And I, I think sometimes that, that can become like the elephant in the room. And I feel right. it's always better to just go ahead and, and mention it in a, in, in a way that's respectful and inclusive. It- it, that's exactly what I was just going to say. It's inclusive and it's and it is incredibly, and plus they're there. <laughs> Hello. Exactly. <laughs> they <can't believe. laughs> we know they're there anyway as mediums, but you know, they love a good event. Well, and tell me this, Denise, if I'm talking to somebody who is really recently grieving someone, or if I'm talking to a client who's grieving someone they lost around the holidays, one of the messages I will always hear from their loved one on the other side is, please still celebrate Christmas. Yes. I, can, I come across so many clients who just decide not to do the holidays, whatever it is. I, I shouldn't keep saying Christmas. I apologize. Whatever you are celebrating this holiday season, a lot of um, loved ones on the other side will come through with a message of, please still celebrate those holidays. And sometimes when I say that to my client, they're like, how can I? There's nothing to celebrate. And I understand that grief, but I will always say to them, imagine if it were you. Imagine that you're in heaven and you're excited, like you made it. There is life after death. Holy cow, you have survived. You're still around. How cool is this? And then you Mm -hmm. come back and you check on your family, and they're grieving you so badly, so terribly, that they aren't even celebrating the holidays. Wouldn't that make you feel terrible? And sometimes if you just think about it from their perspective, it it can help you to see that, yes, of course you should still celebrate the holidays. Right. And and that truly can be such a raw, vulnerable, difficult thing to do. So even if you have to step away from yourself and do something nice for someone else or volunteer or tone it down, maybe if you've always done some big giant thing, you just want to tone it down or make it more of a, a, a quiet family time to reflect. But also I agree you still need to celebrate and, and do that, but, you might need to tweak it a little bit to, to, to make it through. And that's okay. And that's okay. Right. I have a friend who was going through a lot of grief, and I finally talked her into doing something, you know, for her Christmas uh, traditions, and she got a Charlie Brown tree from the tree lot and just put it on, you know, like a coffee table. But it was something, and it was a start. Right. So I think that's a really, really good point. And I think it's lovely at this time to do something in honor of the person that you are missing at this time. You know, go to, you know, those angel trees that they have at the churches or the mall, and you can just grab an angel, and on the back it has a needy child that needs something. And it always breaks my heart because it's never like an iPod or, you know, an Apple Watch. It's always like a pair of shoes or a football you know, it's always something, or pajamas, um, right. but it's such a nice thing to do, and you, can, and you can do that in honor of that person that you are missing. 
Yes, that's that's incredibly well put. So let's talk about how to say no during the holidays. Ooh, <laughs> because we all do so well with that to begin with. <laughs> uh, and, and I do think especially, you know, generally we're trying to be on our best behavior around the holidays, uh, you know, so being polite and graceful and always remembering you can decline, you don't have to overeat, you don't have to do that. But I, but I also think um, don't make excuses. So yes, you can say no, but then you don't have to go into a whole diatribe of why or this is why I can't or no, you, we don't need to give that explanation. And I think that's a part of honoring ourselves is just to feel strong enough to say, no, this doesn't work for me right now, or no, I'm not able to do that, or however you need to phrase it and practice <laughs> before you get there so that so that it comes off smoothly and it's not a stammering thing. My good friend has taught me so much, and one of the things that she has taught me is how to say no. And she has a great phrase. Whenever anybody asks her to do something, whether it's send in 24 cupcakes to school or come to a holiday open house party, she always says, let me think about that. That's a nice buffer. That's such a nice buffer. And then, you know, she's not saying yes right away. She's not saying no right away. And it gives you time to think about, do I really want to do this or not? And it gives the other person the knowledge and awareness and confirmation that you're thinking about the invitation. You're, you know, considering making it work. And then when you come back, you can say no. And I agree with you 100%, Denise, that um, you have to say no without an explanation. Yes. And the other thing is not, you know how sometimes someone will say something and then there's that awkward pause or silence and everyone freezes and they don't know what to say. We don't have to jump in and rescue and and then throw ourselves right into the pit of despair. If it's something we can seamlessly step into, that's fine. But I, I mean, just personally, because I don't like being in the center of things, but I don't want to also put myself in the crosshairs of people who are going at it or if they choose yeah. to react. Yes, yes. I am still learning that, and I, I fear that I've modeled that incorrectly for my daughters. My daughter came home last week. This is such a typical empath story. They have to work on this group project, and so she and her two friends formed a group. Great, okay. And then this fourth girl walked up, and you know, she's one of those girls that's just a little bit of a bully and not always the nicest person. And she Mm -hmm. said, can I join your group? And they were like, oh, yeah, sure, okay. Well, the teacher walks by and she says, sorry, girls, it's only three to a group. One of you's got to leave. And so there was that awkward pause. Right. And I'm, I'm the worst at that. If there's any awkward pause, I'll jump in and fill it. Mm -hmm. So my sweet daughter goes, okay, I guess I'll work alone. Nobody said anything, not even the fourth girl. You'd think, like, everyone was kind of waiting for her to go, oh, okay, I'll work alone. No, no, she just sat there. So my sweet little girl was like, okay, I'll work alone. So each person in the group has to contribute one article towards this, like, newspaper thing they're doing. So my little wonder has to do three articles on her own. That's not fair. Oh, I know. Don't worry. I I emailed the teacher and handled it. (laughs) (laughs) So I had a good discussion with my daughter about how 
you know, you don't always have to jump in and volunteer yourself and on and on and on and on. But she's 14, and, you know, here I am at my age, and I'm still learning that too. It's hard. The other Very thing hard. I want to say about saying no without an explanation, the other caveat I'd like to add to that is try to say no without guilt. Yes. Biggie. That's a biggie right there. Yeah, that is a biggie. You know, sometimes, though, like, I volunteered a lot at my kids' schools uh, throughout the years, and it actually has taught me a lot about saying no, because some of those women who plan stuff, man, like, they're go-getters, and it's mm-hmm. like they have this phone tree, and they don't, they don't even remember who says yes and who says no. They have a job to do. Their job to do is to get these 10 things volunteered for, and if you say no, they're going to go to the next person on the list. Right. And that has taught me a lot. I think most of life works that way. Most people don't sit there and ruminate, oh, she said no, she's an awful person. You know, so many people don't even think about you as much as you think they do. So learning to say no without guilt is really important. And, and it's it's not ours to own. Because there's the other piece to that is, and I also have a dear friend who is very, very active and involved. And to to the um, she'll go above and beyond for so many things and not get any help or she'll end up taking on the whole project because other people won't step in and I think that's the other side to that coin is when people won't step in to help it doesn't mean you have to do it all alone right right because so, if you do people will take advantage of that and they won't appreciate it there's a woman in um at our at our school who's like that I'll I'll name her Amy it's not her name but if we're all trying to get you know people to volunteer for this event or that event and nobody is answering the phone or text someone inevitably will say oh we'll just call Amy she'll do it you don't want to be Amy <laughs> Right, but if you keep saying yes to everything, you're going to end up Amy. And trust me, nobody nobody's walking around singing Amy's praises. Like she doesn't get a lot. If if everything is an exchange of energy, she doesn't get a lot in return for all that she puts out. Do you know what I mean? Like people just assume, oh, she'll do it. And so I think that's a unequal exchange of energy, and that's when we end up falling into victim mode, which is a common thing for empaths, and so it's important to avoid that by setting your boundaries and making sure your no means no. Now, I don't mean say no to everything. Look, there's a lot of stuff I am excited to volunteer for. I am excited to show up for. I am, you know, expecting and and happy to say yes to certain invitations. We're just talking about the stuff that you're like, oh, do I really have to do that? And I think as empaths, we're so in tune with our body and our emotions, it's really important to pay attention to your body. When the person is asking you to do something, pay attention. Do you get that dread feeling? Do you get a happy feeling? Do you get a little pit in your stomach? Listen to your body because your body will often tell you what your heart is trying to tell you that your mind can't hear. Yes. Yes, I agree with that. Um, uh, you ready for another? Yes, I am. Okay. One of the things that I read that I absolutely loved, you know how where, and this is my default position, is to um, shield, 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 protect yourself, protect yourself. And then I had, I was reading about the holidays and stress and all these things, and someone said that she 
she said, instead of shielding yourself, strengthen your, your powerhouse, expand your light, and really project that out. So send that love and light out. Send that projection of your energy out in that healing. And, and I think we talked about this in another show about how, you know, when someone needs compassion or needs empathy or needs love, to send that out. So rather than always protecting ourselves, just kind of flip it around and really, you know, get very grounded and, and power up and then send it out. And I think that that's also, um, it's indicative of what we should, well, this is here, should, uh, fallen into my own trap but for me that's a big part of what the holidays are about are we doing this from a place of compassion and caring and empathy and kindness or are we doing this to say oh look I did this too and I think that that's that that fine line but but by sending that out we're not going to hurt anybody and we'll probably feel better ourselves right I agree because the holidays any day should not become just one big to-do list you know, no. made it made an amazing dinner check, had the family over check, got all the gifts in the mail check. It, it you know, the, it should be a time to just enjoy as well. And I think sometimes we get lost in that and that's not good. So I like that idea of not shielding necessarily, but extending out that that magical feeling. Because at this time I do believe I do believe that there's a magical time connected to this this time of year. Yeah. Maybe I've watched too many Hallmark movies, but I really do believe <laughs> that something magic occurs around now where there is a feeling of goodwill that we can all tune into and tap into. And sometimes the best way to do it is to create it for yourself and then, like you were saying, extend that out. I think that's wonderful. You had some other suggestions you were going to talk about. I, I did as far as um... – like if someone is being confrontational or whatever, concentrate on your breath and, and just think, okay, I'm going to exhale this stress. I'm going to inhale this calm. And that's something you can do. No one even needs to know that you're, but just concentrate on your breathing rather than reacting. I think that that's a huge thing in any situation, but especially going back to what you said earlier, if someone brings up a topic that's controversial or you're, they're trying to push your buttons or it becomes an odd, odd thing. Um, I think that it was Judith Orloff that talked about guerrilla meditation before you go into a place and really like gear up, do a meditation and then have, if, if something starts to happen while you're at a social event, you know, have a trigger that can bring you back to that place. So something that while you're doing your meditation before you go somewhere, have like say, okay, I will, you know, put my finger and my thumb together, whatever it might be so that you can bring yourself back to that place of calm. I have to jump topics just for a second here. When you were talking a minute ago, and I was thinking, and I, I had a flashback to the first Christmas I spent alone with my boys after, you know, we had moved, all that stuff, and it was just us. And if you're in a place for the holidays that is different than what you're used to or you've been through a great, not even just a grief, but if your family dynamics are different, um, you'll make it, you'll get through it, and it'll be okay. It might be different, but you can start new traditions. You can start new, you never have to stay with something just because it's always been that way. And I think that's such an important thing to remember. It's such a powerful thing to hear, too, that I think a lot of us need to hear. So thank you for saying that, because that's absolutely true. Right. Um, 
it's hard to get used to those changes and those shifts in our families, especially at this time of year. And I think it's important to remember, you know, that you will get through this. And I also think that um, when you were talking about the gorilla meditation and having like a, like an image or a trigger that you can go back to, of course, for me, that that's always a crystal. Um, I have a rose quartz necklace that I will often wear when I'm feeling like that. And I'll just kind of touch that rose quartz necklace if I'm feeling a little stressed out at a family gathering or something. Um, I have a pink opal bracelet. Have you ever worked with pink opal? No. Oh, it has like has like the calmest, most nurturing energy to it. And oh. I'll wear that too. So sometimes I think it's a great idea to have an, an image in your mind. But I think sometimes to have something tactile that you can just touch and yes. hold, it can be really important and and just a lovely reminder as well. Um, and I also – go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say I, I also think that um, if you can focus – on what it is you want to get out of this holiday season. You know, is it family connection? Is it, um, you know, staying within your financial budget? Is it creating new traditions for your your friends and family? Like, what is the goal of your holiday? I think that'll keep us more focused so that we don't get distracted on all these other things. Like, Denise, I bet when you were a young mom, you didn't have to deal with the elf on the shelf, did you? No. No, that was that was prior to to my boys. Yeah, that was after yeah. my boys. They were yes. Yeah, you're so stinking lucky because those <laughs> of us that have to deal with the elf on the sh- it's like something else you have to do every night. I'm sitting there going, what can this damn elf do tonight? He skied over sugar last night. <laughs> he slept in the freezer the night before. Oh my gosh, it's so stressful. So I think oftentimes in these holidays, we just get so distracted by all the stuff we have to do. And all the, And I don't know about you, but I often feel in the holidays like we're just trading money. Like it's just kind of meaningless. You know what I mean? Like just giving you a $40 gift certificate and you're giving me a $40 gift certificate. And I'm giving you a $20 candle and you're giving me a 20 It just seems so silly. So I think focusing on what is important to you in this, in this holiday season it can be really crucial to keeping a positive attitude. And, and also as empaths, I think, well, for me anyway, I wanted it to be so special for the boys. I didn't want them to have the stress. I didn't want them to be disappointed. And that was my stuff. I overdid. I I tried to make everything in the world okay for them around the holidays because there were a lot of things that that were really stressful or weren't okay. And I think that's another piece is for me, anyway, when they were little, I would try to, it it did. I wanted to make sure they wanted that. Oh, I I wanted everything to be just so. And as they got older and I relaxed a little bit and then I realized, it's it's a, a big steep learning curve, I think, especially I with all the pressure. Um, but yes, I, I my favorite thing though is to make your own some private some special tradition with your nuclear family. That that's the stuff that carries on and silly things that there's a a giant pine cone with some sequins with some glitter on it that we put out every year. And I think my older son made that when he was in preschool and every year. And he said, you still have that pine cone. And I said, I am always going to have that pine cone. Thank you very much. <laughs> and those are the silly things that, 
they, they make it home. They make it, and it's not about how much. It's about those little things, and that sounds really hokey and over the top, but I really do believe that. I think we get so pulled in, especially um, with we're being blasted constantly by media of this is the perfect family or this is the perfect setting or this is what you're supposed to do to make the holidays successful and and right. And it's just not true. Oh, I know. You you should see the new Target Christmas gift guide. Holy cow. It's got top 10 gifts for your teen and it's like a $300 hoverboard, a $500 Apple watch. It's it's ridiculous. Oh, that's ridiculous. it is. The pressure to just spend, 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 and do, do, do is just silly. But, you know, um, if you're just having a difficult holiday season because your family dynamic is changing or you're grieving or maybe you are going through a job loss and you've got financial pressures and you can't do all the traditions you always do, don't sweat it. I have a really good friend, and he said the funniest thing to me. He and his wife rented an RV and took their kids um basically cross-country to go camping in different states. And they did it two summers in a row, and then they took two summers off, and then they did it two summers in a row. And he said, he said, so I've done this four summers basically in total. And he said, you watch. When they're in their 20s, my kids are going to go, Mom and Dad, remember when you took us camping every summer? (laughs) (laughs) And isn't that true? So even if you skip a year, trust me, like your kids aren't going to remember necessarily. They're just going to remember what was done most of the time. So I think we need to lower our expectations, whether we're dealing with uh, friends or family or work traditions. We just need to do what we can to get through this season with an attitude of joy. And whatever it takes from your joy, leave it. You don't need to show up to everything you're invited to. You don't need to show up to every expectation you have, and you don't need to follow through with every single tradition. It's okay. It's also for social events, and, and I'm not the most social person. I'm pretty laid back and quiet, So, but I have a weird thing about taking my own car so that if I get overwhelmed or if I need to leave a situation, I know I can go. And I think that that's actually a really good thing if it's a possibility for you. If you have to go to a social event or a party or a group and you're, even if you're at all hesitant about going or you, you know that if you go with certain people, you might up, end up staying a lot longer. Another right. thing that's kind of a, a cool thing to do or it's, it's a healthy thing to do is after you get back from, from any kind of a thing like that or if you're feeling drained, take a shower or a bath and just let it go. And that's going to wash away all that, like literally energetically and physically, just get rid of all that, that uh, schmutz that's get, that gets on you in, in big group settings. I agree. You know what my secret salt recipe is? It's not a secret. I'm just being facetious. It's an old metaphysical cure. You take two cups of Epsom salts, a cup of sea salt, and a half cup of baking soda. Oh. And you pour that into the bath. Epsom salts, we know athletes soak in Epsom salt water to pull the pain out of their muscles. But it's an old age trick to pull pain out of your emotional body as well. We know salt is a purifier and a protector. So it's a wonderful ritual to take a salt bath. I do it once a week. And that you have to, what I have read, is you have to soak for at least 20 minutes 
And then when you're done, you let the water drain and you imagine all the monk and gunk and worry and stress and strain in your um, energy going down the drain with that salt water. I'll do that in the in the morning sometimes if I'm dreading the day or going to work or when I'm writing, I'll soak my feet in Epsom salts. And I know that sounds like an old lady thing to do, but I don't really care. But it's also the reflexology thing of it all goes out through the soles of your feet. And it's that same thing. I'll visualize it just letting go of the stress, the tension, the fear, all of that negativity. And then you dump the water. It's great. Yep. Yep, it it's really also is. healthy because you absorb it through your souls, and, and Epsom salts are, are pretty fantastic medicinally, and they've been around a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think that's a really good tip and technique. But anything that you need to do, I think, to just shore up your energy reserves throughout this holiday season is going to be important, and that includes eating right and getting a lot of rest and making time to do a chakra balancing meditation to work with your crystals, to get out in nature, whatever it is that soothes your soul, no matter how um, silly or trivial it may be. Like, do you know what one of my biggest stress relievers is? Home goods. (laughs) I don't know what it is about that place, but if I've had like a really stressful day, I just love to walk through home goods and just, you know, I don't even have to buy anything, but just kind of just a little bit of retail therapy can be really helpful for me. And that's super shallow. I wish I wish I could say to you all, meditating for an hour straight resolves all my stress. No, I have to make myself meditate, even even still, after years of being a practice meditator. I wish I could say, oh, going for a 10-mile jog really gets it going. No. <laughs> but... You know, I was going to say make time for quiet and peace and have some, and I think that that's the thing, though. When you're you're walking through home goods, you're kind of oblivious to everything that's going around. It takes your mind off of other things. You can just have other sensory stuff that isn't emotional. It can, it, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. But I, I, I think also, though, like watching the, the alcohol, the sugar, the caffeine, the physical stuff, because... It is so easy to eat really well, but then all of a sudden you're, it's so much, many foods for any given holiday that we don't usually eat on a regular basis. And as the more I do this and the more sensitive I become, it just absolutely amazes me how much our bodies are a barometer physically and emotionally for like different foods or different, sub, you know, all of that stuff, but also add the stress of being in a holiday situation with all these foods we don't usually eat. Holy moly, that's a lot. I agree. I agree. It's important to plan and prepare for that and to, you know, guard yourself against that because physically it's not going to feel good and emotionally it's not going to either. So I think just to plan ahead, you know, before you even get into those parties or, you know, work events where there's going to be an overindulgence, that's a really good reminder. And I think also just doing things with yourself and your family that remind you, of what this season is really about. I think that's really right. important. Um, some of the traditions I do with my daughters, like we just hung up last week, um, our, our tree. So I get this little, I get a roll of brown wrapping paper and I cut out a tree and I tape it to our, our, our window. And then I cut out all these leaves. And every day when they come home from school, I make them write down something they're grateful for. 
that day. Oh. And then we put it on the, on the, we tape it to the tree. And I saved them year to year. And so we were just cutting out our new tree and taping it up. And I have a big box where I keep all the leaves of the years. And it's like hours the girls go through and read their leaves. And they're hilarious. And even today, they're, like today, my daughter came home from school and wrote down, I'm grateful for Stranger's Things, that, you know, that new show we're all hooked yeah. on with my family. You know, so it doesn't have to be anything profound, like I'm grateful I have food to eat tonight. No, it can, anything. My other daughter wrote down, I'm grateful I don't have homework tonight. But it's just something to remind them of what, you know, Thanksgiving is, is all about. About. It's about giving thanks. Um, right. Another thing I, I started with my girls is I give them each um, $20 in $5 bills in an envelope, and they have two weeks, and they have to anonymously give that money away to wow. anyone or anything that has uplifted them or taught them something or made them feel good about their path. And then at the end, at Thanksgiving, they're going to have to report back at the table, you know, saying how they spent their money, what they did with it, how they anonymously donated it. And then we're all going to vote on, you know, who, who, who did it best. Because I, I don't know about you guys, but my kids work best with a competitive motivator. And then whoever wins gets a free manicure day with mom. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah, so it's like a little competition, I know, but it's getting the message across, and it's getting them into that ritual and habit of uh, spiritually tithing to a person or an institution that uplifted them in some way. Um, and then for the for our Christmas season, what I do is I get the I bought this really big, beautiful, ornate box at Home Goods years ago. <laughs> Obviously, we really don't get any kickback from Home Goods, by the way. <laughs> and, um, and that's that's our gift that we give to Jesus. So I can remind my kids that the reason why we celebrate Christmas is because it's his birthday, not because Saint Nick decided to, you know, put money in this, these girls' stockings years ago. And I cut out all these little paper ornaments. And then during Advent, I asked them to do something every day for somebody in honor of Jesus and write it down on the ornament. So it could be something like, you know, I talked to the new kid. I held the door open for a teacher. I offered to bring the garbage out in my classroom. I helped mom with dinner, anything. And they write it down mm -hmm. in the ornament, and, they, and then they put it in the box, and then on Christmas Day we open them and, and read through them. Oh. So I think there's like – See, now that's know, a nice tradition. tradition. Yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't cost money, you know, and it, it's, it's reminding the kids of really what the season is about. Um, and then I always try to have a holiday party with their friends, and we pick something. And it's different. Like last year, um, I just bought yards of fleece on sale throughout the year, and it's so easy. You just cut them into little rectangles, and then you have the kids um, knot the little ends. And then so we made mm -hmm. all these little blankets for the um, for our Humane Society, and we brought them – because if you go to a humane society and you see all the dogs and cats there, a lot of them are in outdoor kennels and they have no blankets. So I, we had a holiday party and we baked cookies and we played holiday music and we did fun stuff. But the event was to tie all these blankets together. Um, the oh. year before that, we, we made um, scarves for the homeless and we brought those down to, um, to the homeless shelter. So I think it's important to you know, just remind your kids what this time is about. Right. 
and and about finding joy and about finding love or beauty or goodness or any of those things that because it isn't and I think that goes back to the to being bombarded with with social media or with the media in general it's really about heart really is it really is and you know this is a magical time there was a really cool story last year I don't know if you saw it it was about these two girls in Texas and their mom was a single mom and she didn't have a lot of money and she said to them I don't know if Santa can bring you all the gifts you want this year and so these two little girls wrote a letter to Santa and they tied it to a balloon and they sent it away well that balloon landed in North Pole Indiana there's a town I guess in Indiana named the North Pole and a woman found it and saw the letter and the girls had said like dear Santa we asked our mom for these three things she doesn't think she can do them if you could get them for us we'd really appreciate it and they included their address And so the woman rallied the whole little town in Indiana together and got all the gifts and more that were on their list and mailed them to them. Now, okay. Isn't that magical? It's divine intervention. It is. I I truly believe that. Yeah, and let me tell you, that story saved my life because (laughs) last year was the – I've been so good at – you know, keeping Santa alive. And last year was the first year that all three of my kids were like, hmm, I don't know, Mom. I don't know about this thing, this this guy, these reindeers, all these houses in one night. And I told them, I'm like, Santa Claus is real, and his spirit lives in all of us. And we enact that energy and that magic of giving. That's what the magic of Christmas is. And that story, I just felt like it, it backed me up. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yes. So I feel like I'm talking too much about Christmas, but I know everybody is celebrating all sorts of different holidays. So let's just talk about in general with this this whole season. Don't you feel it's such a nostalgic time because we're also coming into the end of a year? Yes. And I feel like that makes us kind of do some, you know, reflective thinking. And just if you think about just the New Year's Eve song, Old Anxiety, which I still don't know what that means. Do you know what that means? No. <laughs> I don't either. I need to look it up. But that song, that, that song makes me cry if I just listen to it. There's nothing happy about that song. Right. And so I think sometimes as we're coming to the end of the year, it can just be sad. There's the letdown of the holidays being over. There's the letdown of the credit card bill coming in. There's this letdown of, oh, a whole other year has passed, and I didn't do all the things I said I was going to do at the beginning of last year. And so I think it's important as an empath, too, to really think about preparing yourself spiritually and emotionally for those those thoughts and feelings that are going to come across us that last week in December. Don't you agree? I agree 100%, yes. And also to be gentle with yourself. Yes. Yes. And, and to look at, your la- at, this, at the end of this year and this whole year in a... In a attitude and an energy of gratitude rather than regret or self-critical disappointment that 
you know, you didn't make the money you thought you were going to make. You didn't lose those last 10 pounds. You didn't work on the forgiveness piece. You didn't get this goal met, whatever it may be. And to just be gentle with yourself and try to be your own cheerleader rather than your own self-critic. Yes, I agree. Do you have any other tips or suggestions in your notes? You no, know, I think I think that's good. And I, I really do think um, my favorite out of all of them, though, is to power up and, and send your light out. Yeah, and share that's that my with favorite, people. too. Yeah, I love that. And also, you know, to if you are alone, realize that this too shall pass because that can, that's another piece is there may be people who don't have extended family or don't have connections or they're in a different part of the country or a different part of the world. Um, you, you'll, you'll get through this. And I think that's, that's equally as important. And I don't mean that in a doom and gloom kind of way, but as a, it can be very difficult if you're completely alone somewhere. Have you ever spent a holiday alone? Um, I've spent part of them alone. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it's a very, and in a different part of the country than where I knew anyone. So, yes, yeah. it's a very, it gives a de- very, very different spin on things. Um, it does. It does. And I think everything is how you look at it. I Before I had kids, I spent a Thanksgiving all alone, and I was kind of embarrassed about it and kind of excited about it at the same time. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I didn't want to tell people I didn't have plans because then I knew, like, people would feel obligated to ask me and you don't want to be that person showing up. At least I, that makes me uncomfortable. So I just Mm -hmm. told everybody I had plans and then I just hunkered down and I thought I have this whole magical day to myself and I can either be sad about being alone or I can just relish it. And I think as empaths, most of us enjoy being alone. And so sometimes if you just tweak the way you're viewing that it can it can help a lot. And it might mean just doing one little special thing for yourself or start your own little tradition or your own, but, but it will. I think that that's a very good point to make is that it doesn't have to be horrible. No, it, everything is perspective. Everything is the story that we tell ourselves. If we tell ourselves this is going to be stressful, it's going to be stressful. If we tell ourselves this is going to be sad, it's going to be sad. But if we tell ourselves this is going to be a joyous time, then that's what it will be. No matter how difficult other people are around you. Like Denise was saying early on in this conversation, you don't have to engage in all of the triggers that people might throw at you at the different dinner tables you might be invited to. So it's all about your attitude and your energy. And like you were saying, Denise, pushing your light out, spreading your light out rather than shielding your light. Yes. Well, we hope you have enjoyed this discussion. We thank you so much for putting up with us in our uh, audio issues. Fingers crossed, everybody, that this one recorded (laughs) our tracks correctly. 
<laughs> and we look forward to being back with you next week with a new and exciting topic. Please join us on Facebook. We are at Enlightened Empaths. You can reach Denise at thegratefulmessenger.com and you can reach me at samanthafay.com. And we hope that you have a wonderful holiday season if you are celebrating Thanksgiving. And if you are not, for our listeners in other countries, we wish you a great and happy week. We are grateful for all of you. Yes. Take Take care, care, everyone. Have a great week. Hi.